Join me every month for the inspiration to find your finish line. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first edition of Find Your Finish Line for 2024. And I'd like to thank each and every one of you for all you download, all the downloads, all the comments you give about our podcast over the last three years. To be honest, at the beginning, I was a little apprehensive because, you know, there's a lot of podcasts out there and what do people have to say? What kind of guests would I have on? And it seemed to be natural. I had a good friend of me say, Mike, you know what? You have people on that you wrote about in your book. You have age groupers on that go through terrible things, but they end up getting to the finish line. You have pros on who also have stories to tell. And I did that. So that's what we do. That's our guests. And thank you if you'd like to send more suggestions on the type of guests I uh, can have this year, I'll go after them. So you just let me know. Last year was a stellar year. People like Bob Babbitt, McKeeley Jones, and Mark Allen, Lindsey Corbin. Who else do I have on? Ben Hoffman, uh, Iron Cowboy, James Lawrence, Meredith Kessler, and Hari Budamagar, who is the first person as a double leg amputee to summit Mount Everest. So those are the types of guests I love having on. And athletes and coaches, if you haven't checked it out yet, check out try.training, try.com. Try.training is not new, but I tell you what, some of the tools in there you're going to see, especially you coaches, helps you save time and helps you get your finish, the athletes to the finish line much quicker. So my guest kicking off the 2024 Find Your Finish Line podcast season, he's a triathlete, a runner, a former software developer who changed careers to follow his passion, a passion for creating content that we all can see in the sport of triathlon, whether it's an event, whether it's pros, no matter what. He's captured it from all sides of the sides of the lens. And when you see it, you go, wow, that was something else. Talbot Cox, welcome to Find Your Finish Line. Awesome. What an intro. I appreciate it, Mike. And uh, thanks, thanks for having me first episode of the year. What a pleasure. Yeah, we're going to kick it off, baby. Well, you know, that's, I think it's going to be a fantastic 2024 in the season with all the events. And you, uh, I think you're going to have a bird's eye view. So I wanted to have you on first to give us that bird's eye view. But my first question, Talbot, to everybody on Find Your Finish Line is, what kind of workout did you get in today? Well, you see, that's a, that's a tough question to answer because today I did nothing. Um, but the reason I did nothing, and actually I have never um, spoke about this publicly. My wife and I kind of kept it to ourselves. But um, actually when I hang up on this call, my wife and I will be heading to the hospital and we will be having our first little child will be born tomorrow. So she gets induced tonight and uh, we'll be introducing our first little one tomorrow morning. Oh, Hopefully. that is fantastic. I'm not going to have the podcast up. <laughs> the baby will already be born when this comes up. So I'm going to say now, congratulations on your firstborn. You know, I always tell, I told my kids and I tell others that have children, now life really begins. So good luck to both of you, Talbot. Congratulations. I, I, am, I am more than excited. I remember texting you shortly after you retired, actually, and asked, uh, hey, are you around the finish line? Because I was at Oceanside and you said... <laughs> I met my grandkids, uh, grandson's soccer game or something like that. And yeah. I was like, how cool. Mike's actually enjoying life. He stepped away. 
and he's actually enjoying it. So uh, family means just as much to me as it does to you. Yeah, good, good for you. Congratulations. So Talbot, if you, if someone would come up to you, maybe in the business or not in the business, and ask you, uh, what's the title of what you do? Do you do you have one? Have you given yourself one? Int- interesting question. I, I would call myself a content creator. Um, growing up, I always loved cameras. I always loved picking up cameras. Um, and kind of, like you mentioned earlier, kind of changed careers and all that and just morphed into, I would say, almost a content creator. And yeah, I, w- I would say that would be probably the best title for what I do because I'm always just generating content around triathlon. Well, you were, you know, 2012, you kind of doing homemade videos of local events in the Oklahoma City area where you're from, born and raised. Uh, and you did that for a few years, but I think it was around 2017, you know, you had that pivot point that a lot of us have in careers and you went the way of your passion. What, why did you think you could do that? And why did you think you could build a career out of that? Yeah, it really, to be honest, it was kind of a God thing. It just really fell into my hands. I tried so hard to get into the software development school. Um, Mm -hmm. My brothers are both software engineers, and I was trying so hard to get into this school in San Francisco, California, and I applied and got denied. Applied again, got denied. Took the test, got denied. And just with so much frustration, um, originally, I had always been involved in triathlon. did my first triathlon when I was nine years old was always kind of, I even coached my own kids triathlon team in Oklahoma City. Just absolutely loved the sport of triathlon. And then a brand new software development school opened up in Boulder, Colorado. And so, of course, Boulder is like the training mecca of triathlon. And I got accepted into the school. And so I started going to the school and uh, you'd, you'd go to the pool up at Rally EC Fit uh, Aaron Carson mm-hmm. and you'd see Miranda Carfrey swimming in the lane <laughs> and you're like, oh my gosh. And really, one thing led to another. Uh, and, and I actually began uh, seeing one of the athletes on uh, Rennie's team, one of the C- Team Siri athletes, Ellie Salthouse. We became really good friends. Um, and I started traveling with her to the races and uh, really just wanted to make myself useful when I wasn't developing uh, websites and things like that. And really just picked up a camera and uh, started getting photos and stuff and was sent it to the athletes. And so it really kind of just all fell together in the perfect scenario of ending up in Boulder, Colorado. You know, from my own recollection early on, Talbot, I remember seeing you run around the events. I, I don't know if we had met yet, and I'm thinking, who is this guy? What's he doing? He's getting all these, and then I'd see what you produced, and I, he's getting all these great shots. Uh, I, did you just, because if you went with Ellie and you, you know, started filming Rennie and where's the income? Did you just start doing it and said, well, hopefully it'll fulfill my income needs one of these days? You know, uh, funny <laughs> question. I, I actually, my soft, I graduated school uh, and started working for a company out of uh, South Carolina uh, remote. And so I really would just work remote and there wasn't any funding. I was just giving away everything for free because I just loved it. I love the sport so much. I remember growing up, I would watch Lance Armstrong. Whatever I could find online of Lance Armstrong or Team US Postal, like a documentary style, no matter what it was. And actually, funny enough as it is, there's, I have a DVD right around here somewhere. It's called What It Takes. It was an old triathlon documentary with... Uh, 
uh, I want to say Luke Bell and maybe Heather Fuhr, something wow. like that. But uh, anything sport, triathlon, endurance related, I could watch, I would watch. And so I just thought in my head, no one gets to see this inside. No one gets to do this. And so I just started creating and creating and just capturing and posting and capturing and posting. And um, I told myself I would quit my job when I could pay for half of my income, like when I was doing enough that it was generating half of my income. And so I finally uh, stepped away from my position uh, at the company I was previously working at in about 2018, actually the week of Oceanside 70.3. So kind of fell together pretty quick. Wow. And you know, it's interesting because uh, at, at first you were following athletes around, but did some of the events go like, am I going to give him a credential? Who is this guy? Was it tough for you at the beginning with some of the events? I would say you know, it was to get out really, on the really course tough. and all that stuff. Yeah, definitely. Because Ironman, there wasn't, when, when I really started, Ironman didn't, you couldn't just sign up to be a photographer. <laughs> you needed to be with an outlet. So I wasn't shooting for any individual outlet. I was just shooting for myself and would give the professional athletes photos, which how I then met Lionel and Tim and Rennie and the list goes on. And so I would just show up to these events and get photos. So I kept applying for media credentials and they kept turning it down saying, you, you don't work for an outlet. Like that's, that's you. So we can't just give you, we can't just give anyone. So it was tough, but I finally just learned pretty much anywhere outside of uh, anywhere but the finish line shot you can get uh, on your feet. So that's that's the good thing about triathlon. It's so accessible for people to watch. Interesting. So did uh, when that was happening and they said you needed to be with somebody, did you go, well, maybe I'll go to work for triathlete.com or maybe I'll go to work for this person or this person? Did you ever think about that? Or did you always want to just keep that entrepreneurial spirit and go, hey, I'm doing this on my own? A little bit of both. A little bit of both. It was it was a little tough, I think, because there was some pretty well known and respected photographers mm -hmm. in the industry that were not happy at all with this little young kid just showing up with a camera <laughs> and spraying images and then giving them to all these sponsors and taking pennies on the dollar. So I, I don't want to say that I wasn't well respected, but I was more of a nuisance and a pest to a lot of these uh, photographers. Um, and and people that have really been in the industry that I that I have high high respect for because, um, mm -hmm. so, but I, I eventually ended up doing a little bit of media for Slow Twitch would would go that would get a few media passes for them but it was always kind of a rocky slope with Iron Man I, I don't think that Iron Man and I had a very good relationship at all in fact uh, due to some misunderstanding and mis. Uh, uh, and what I would believe it was 2018, the year of uh, Ironman South Africa. Prior to that, I went with the Bahrain Endurance uh, or the Bahrain for team to mm -hmm. Ironman Texas, and um, and of course the, the His Royal Highness Prince Nazar, he he has a media pool that follows him everywhere he goes, and these are people, these are journalists, these are true journalists, these aren't endurance fans. They they just 
it's it's like your it's like President Biden. He has a media pool that travels with him. So it was the same thing. So a lot of these photographers and videographers, they were like smoking cigarettes outside of transition <laughs> I at Ironman, Texas. I, I, I remember it. I go, what is going on here? It's a circus. <laughs> so I'm. This is one of my first paid gigs with Bahrain. So I'm running around like a kid on candy. I'm getting pictures of the Prince, but I'm really working for their professional athletes because they had their Bahrain 13. Um, team. And then so we get to the finish line at the end of the day. And on race radio all day long, Iron Man's here and these Bahrain photographers, they're smoking in, they're smoking on the outside of transition. They're they're trying to get their car on the tollway. They're doing this. So I get to the finish line and I believe Daniela Reef was coming to win or something like that. Mm-hmm. And a guy looks at me, and of course they don't know who I am, and he's like, Are you Talbot? And I was like, Yeah. He's like, Who are you working for? And I was like, Bahrain, all excited, <laughs> like, like I'm not going to get in trouble. And they're like, you've caused us so much hell today, blah, 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 blah. I mean, of course, it was just a full-on misunderstanding. But I actually right there received a lifetime ban from Iron Man from getting accredentials at their events. I was, so, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop you there for a second because, you know, the whole Bahrain thing and they set up a, a stage near the finish line that we're all going to sit. It actually kind of blocked my view, and I'm going, "What's going on here?" And and uh, and then you know, I was hearing everything going out onto the course and trying to get cars out there. And then they said, "We're we're banning them, and we're banning him, we're banning Talbot Cox." And I'm thinking, "What did Talbot do?" I I mean, it was just, uh, it was an odd time. So keep. It I'm was. sorry. Continue with that story on how that ended up. Well. It went on for about two years. It was pretty rough. It took a pretty, pretty big toll on myself mentally as well. It was very, very hard mentally for me because I love the sport. I mean, Ironman was my passion. In fact, when I was uh, 15 years old, I started Instagram. had just come out, and I started the Ironman Triathlon Instagram. I, I loved it. I mean, I and I mean, Kona would come around, and I would do all the posting as if I was Ironman. I'd post the updates. I ended up selling the Instagram to Ironman. I grew it to like 30, 40 something thousand followers. I mean, triathlon and Ironman was my life. So it was really, really hard on me. And the, I think the hardest part was the internal team that they had at the time that's no longer there. They would not listen to me. I tried, I even recorded a long video of a testimony of myself explaining it was not me and all this stuff. And it took about two and a half years until Julia Palmarino, you might Julia, be able to say her yeah. name. Um, just a godsend. She mm-hmm. recently worked at Triathlete Magazine, then went to go work at Ironman. And she is, Julia is probably the main reason why they have dove deep into media and content. And so she was like, well, we need to hire Tom Cox. And they're like, oh, well, Talbot has a lifetime ban here. He can't, we don't, we don't give him. She's like, what? So Julia rings me up and she asked me what all happened. And I told her everything. And she was like, talk to Andrew. And Andrew's like, oh, I never knew that. So lifted right away and now work really, really close with Iron Man on all their content with Steve Godwin and all them. So absolutely incredible now. But that was that was a tough time get, getting into the industry. I imagine, you know, there's a lot of uh, when I do speaking and stuff and talk about, you know, getting knocked down and failures. And but during that two and a half period of time, I think you probably kept a great attitude that you knew in the end it, it might work out. Uh, but in the meantime, didn't you just say, oh, you know what, I'm just going to go 
film the pros. I'm going to get close to, you know, the Gwen Jorgas into the world, Rennie, T.O., Lionel, and uh, uh, go out on the course and film them. It, it, that's what you did, wasn't it? It is what I did. And I, I don't like to, um, I don't want to say it was me that started kind of the media era in triathlon. I just think that I happened to be in the right place at the right time. Um, it, with, it could have with, been very with, much with the right knowledge. Yes. I, I think you knew, I think you knew what we all wanted to see because it's what you want to see. Exactly. And I think that's the road you probably went down, which uh, good for you. Exactly. And so I would just showing up to these races and I was sitting out there and I'm like, no one sees this behind the scenes stuff with these professional <laughs> athletes. They don't see the day-to-day stuff. They don't see the, the YouTube style behind the scenes content. And so I just began to capture, and I I think it got to the point where I don't want to like toot my horn, but it got to the point where Ironman couldn't stop it because it grew so much so fast. An Ironman event would happen. I'd be posting updates throughout the entire race. They were just doing their live blog and the following really, really grew. And I started the Kona series. And so Mm -hmm. in 2017, I went out to Kona. I did a Kona series. I did I started working with all the athletes out there and it was just producing so much content and getting hundreds and hundreds that are millions of views and Ironman, of course, their media team or probably their chief marketing officer sitting back scratching his head. How is there a little kid out here running around with a little camera and we have X amount of employees here on staff and we're not doing anything. And so that's when kind of the media revolution in the sport really jump started. And, and, a lot of people even say to this day, they're like, why don't you keep doing it? And, and my whole thing was I wanted to press the industry to take the step forward and make this like the CrossFits or like the NBA and give people access that they've never had before to all this. I, I can't do all of it. Like, I, I mean, I would love to do it all. And it, of course, you can make all the money in the world. But like, and that was the funniest thing is like when Lucy Charles approached me, with starting a YouTube channel. It's like, mm-hmm. I wanted to go all in and help them because when Lucy Charles' YouTube channel grows, then Tim and Rennie's grows, then Lionel Sanders grow, and the sport grows, and, sport. and it's beneficial for the sport. And so that's why I just saw this was an outlet at the perfect place at the perfect time with, with triathlon and media. And, you know, to Ironman's credit, we're talking about a company that's putting on a lot of events throughout the year, the operations team, everything, and and uh, I can see where they probably said, wow, how, how's he doing this? But in retrospect, uh, you were the perfect person to do it. And now that you guys are joined and you're working together, uh, I think it, it came out for the best. Did you, at that time, Talbot, did you go, you know what? Now I can think about building a brand, my brand, so people know that I'm legit and I'm there. Did that happen during that? two-year period of time where you were kind of shunned away or, or did it happen after that? Go, you know, I, I now have a brand. I, I, I was, I was watching a lot of influencers online. This guy that uh, rings a bell a lot is Gary Vaynerchuk. He's a big, very loud mouth, very vulgar mouth, but was very vocal at this time of having personal brands and brands mm. with a name. And I decided for a while, I came up with a few media outlet names that I wanted to call myself and all that. And then I just said, and I began actually working with some photographers to help at events. And um, 
I just found that no matter how talented the photographer was, triathletes, we're all different. We're all so unique, mm-hmm. and we look at the sport a certain way. And I just feel that what helps me a lot in this sport is I'm a triathlete myself, and I know what I wanted to see. And so even when you brought other people in, they couldn't capture it from what, what you thought would be important to a triathlete. And so then I just began, as my brand began to grow, and I just had my personal Instagram account, and that it began to grow as well, I just stuck with it. I was just like, you know what, Talbot, Talbot Cox, we're just going to leave it at that. And then, and then it turned into Talbot Cox Media as my LLC name. But I just, I just thought, you're always replaceable. Everyone's replaceable. But if you have your name and your image, your, your name that you stand for is never replaceable. This very so much, very similar to you. Uh, I'll toot your horn right here. One of my dreams in my gro- doing all of my Ironman events, there's a lot of people that could say you are an Ironman, but Mike Riley and having Mike Riley, the original person who came up with it, tell me that you are an Ironman. And you actually made an awesome, awesome video for me. And, 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 I'll, and I'll cherish that video for the rest of my life. I have it saved in my favorites on my phone. But it's, that's what's important to me was making a brand very similar to like what you did. Well, th- thank you for that. I, I appreciate that, Talbot. Uh, it, it's interesting because when you are a company of one, so to speak, uh, and you have a voice out there and your voice is your video camera, is your camera. My voice was my voice. Uh, but the one thing I think that we have in common on that, we wanted to take care of the athlete's experience so that it'd be the best experience ever. You being a triathlete, you want to have a great experience and them coming across the finish line, we wanted to give them everything we could give them. So that's where uh, I think our, our lives paralleled and our careers paralleled with that. Pros, let's talk about the pros, Talbot. I, I, obviously, I've known a lot through the years, been close to a lot of them, and so many of them have held their training, their lives kind of to their chest. They haven't been really open with it. But then comes along the relationship you have with Lionel Sanders. And it's like, you talk about an open book, just turn the page. There it is. Why do you think that maybe Lionel's way of treating the the media and showing everybody what he's doing, thinking and saying, whether it's an F-bomb that comes out, whether I suck at this workout, the very honesty of it all. Do you think it helped open up the way other pros looked at themselves and how they wanted to share their lives? I definitely think so. I think that there's there's a, a, a lot of paths you could take, especially with this conversation. One, Lionel is the most upfront, honest person I have ever met in my entire life. I mean, he's one of my best friends. I talk to him every single day. Um, on a daily basis. He's a business partner of mine. I mean, every single bit about it, but he will never to like, he will always just tell you how it is. And he's just upfront and honest. And it's always been that way. Even when, from the first time he rang me, I believe this was in 2018, he rang me and he said, I've, I've had a YouTube for a while, but I don't post on it much, but I'm wanting to dive in deeper and do videos and show people what it's like to be a professional athlete. Can you come out here? And I said, dude, heck yeah. Like, this is my dream. And he's like, what are you doing this weekend? And I was like, <laughs> nothing. 
<laughs> I literally flew to Detroit that day. They picked me up at the airport. We drove back to Windsor. We started. And, and just from the first time I put a camera in his face, no matter what it is, it's, it's just him. This is a perfect example right here is, is uh, his manager was trying to get him an ASIC deal. We were working so hard to get Lionel an ASIC deal. And a, uh, this is a funny story. Uh, his manager, Pat, was like, hey, can, can you just record like a personal cell phone video of Lionel telling the guy, the director of marketing at ASICS, that, uh, that he likes his shoes? So he mentioned it to Lionel. I was like, I ain't doing that. That's stupid as hell. <laughs> I pull out my phone. We're on the path. Lionel's like, I love these shoes so much. And I'm like, can I record you saying that? And Lionel's like, and I hit record. I'm like, so Lionel, do you like these shoes? And he's like, is this that stupid video you guys want me to record? He's like, if you're the director of marketing at ASICS, you're not sponsoring me. In fact, you'd be a blankety blanking dumb A to sponsor me because I'm going to wear their shoes no matter what. They're the best GD shoes on the market. And so <laughs> guess what, ASICS? Go F yourself. <laughs> And I'm just laughing my head off. And I'm like, Lionel, we're trying to get a sponsorship with them. He's like, why would they sponsor me? I wear their shoes. They're the best. But that is Lionel to a T. He is just upfront and honest. And I think that like what you said, though, is he looks at it like we're all swimming, we're all biking, and we're all running. And why does it need to be a secret? When you start having secrets this, secret that, and of course with this recent controversy this last year in our sport with one of Lionel's training partners alone that Lionel never even knew about with, with the fact that he got busted for taking performance-enhancing drugs. Lionel said, why should in any way anything in our sport and our industry be a secret? So he has just always been an open book, and he believes that he was inspired by some of the greats that were open, and he said, hopefully me being open will inspire the younger generations and also the amateur athletes that – I'm so open. I don't, I don't take performance-enhancing drugs. I don't need drugs in my life, and I don't need that to perform level. So maybe me doing that will inspire a younger generation to not do that. So that's one of the reasons why he's very open about his training and things like that. But that's, that's Lionel and a synopsis for you. Yeah, it is. You know, I had him on the podcast the first year, and it was the number one podcast for the year, obviously. The thing that I walked away with, and, and thank you, Talbot, you helped, you know, get him on my podcast early on. Uh, the thing that I walked away with afterwards, and I knew Lionel pretty well at the races, interviewing him and talking to him and loved he and his wife, Aaron, you know, they're, they're just great people. Uh, I walked away thinking, oh my God, this guy's pure. I don't think he knows how pure he is with his opinions, what he says how honest he is, but it comes across probably larger than he believes it is, which I think is a good thing. And you were able to, and still able to capture that on the camera. Did at times though, with Lionel, he'd say something, you go, oh my God, I can't put that out there. I, I, did you have to do a lot of cutting? <laughs> I do. I do have to cut a little bit, but to be honest with you, Lionel doesn't watch a lot of his own videos. He, I really just show up and I just press record. And, and a perfect example is, let's say like, triathlete A, we'll just say triathlete A and then triathlete B, which is Lionel. I'd go up to a triathlete and I'd say, so how was your swim workout? And triathlete A would be like, it was good. And I'm like, I need more than that. And I went up to Lionel. I said, how was your swim workout? He's like, 
my swim workout was great, you know. Swim is something that I'm really working on this year, and I'm trying to do this and that. And he'll go dive deep into it for you. And so sometimes it is, it takes him a long time to explain something. And then sometimes if you watch some interviews or long interviews, he's like, man, I just need to shut up. Or he'll say, what was your question again? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um, to answer that, yeah, it's, it's a lot of cutting. But I think really it's just breaking down a video to... What in, in YouTube, there's kind of this sweet spot is about a 12 minute mm-hmm. video that's the, the, about the attention span. And in a podcast, it's about 45 minutes to an hour and a half. So that's why a lot of people in the sweet spot for a podcast, the perfect podcast is about an hour, but that's usually the length of a run or something like that. Or usually right. people are exercising. And so w- I'm usually just breaking stuff down. And sometimes I'll put out a video, and there'll be a bunch of comments. I'm like, oh, maybe I should have left that in it. But it's really just trying to jam as much impactful stuff into a video or what Lionel's saying that we can that uh, was motivating, uplifting, informational, and has some humor in it. So moving forward this year, Talbot, on the pros that are out there racing, the events, so, so many events, whether it's Ironman or PTO or Challenge, no matter who it is, how do you, one, choose who you'd follow on a pro. I mean, do you go, well, they got to call me or do you go out after some and say, I'd really like to film this person because he or she really has a lot to say. And the same with events. How how are you going to, how do you choose it all? You know, it's hard from my perspective. It was really hard. Lionel was on the fence for a very long time. Um, I'm sure anyone listening knows that, the PTO, Professional Triathlete Organization, came in this last year and they announced their first ever series. And I think that for the first time ever, we will see an impact at the Ironman professional level of the top tier athletes. And I mean, I'm, I'm, not choo- knock- I'm, I'm choosing one over another, not being I'm able ch- to do both. Not being able to do both. I think I believe there will be some athletes that do both, but I think it's asking a lot on your body. I think that a lot of the people here know that when you ask too much of your body, and, and a lot of people here, I mean, they know more than anyone. They work a full-time job that's listening to this podcast, and they train for Ironman or Ultra Marathon or a marathon or a 5K. doesn't matter what it is. So they're, they're trying to basically work two jobs, and both of it involves working out a whole lot and having your body in peak shape. But for Lionel, it was the most interesting because, of course, selfishly, for myself, I love the PTO. The PTO is first off, I I've, I've have financially benefited myself from a lot because they've used a lot of my content. Mm-hmm. And I feel that the PTO has in best interest to professional athletes. Ironman, which there's nothing wrong with, their best, their best interest is amateur athletes and professionally, so you, you, you guys can get on the side and race, but we just want to put on as many events as we can, which is nothing wrong with that. Um, and I sit, and so Lionel debated, and Lionel got a very financially beneficial contract from PTO. And he sat on the fence, and he went back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. He called me, asked my opinion, called his father, asked lots of people. And he even uh, chatted to Jan at one point, which everyone knows now Lionel's going to do the Ironman series. But then Lionel finally called me and said, I made up my mind. And I said, he's, he's going to do the PTO series. This is awesome. We're going to go to PTO tour all year. And he said, I'm going to win Kona this year. It's all in or nothing. And I just sat there in my head, and I was excited and bummed at the same time. And he told me, he's like, look, I can accept a big paycheck and go make a bunch of money and go do something, 
But in the back of my mind, the rest of my life, I will have regret in my mind saying, if I didn't just go all in on Kona, if I went all in on Kona and I won it, but what if, and he goes, what if I got the rest of my life, I had money, cool, temporary happiness, but my number one goal is to win Kona. He goes, you know what? If I went all in and I had my best ever performance and I went all in and I got second or I got fifth, I would be satisfied. But to turn it down for money and know that that was the reason why I didn't achieve my lifelong dream of why I got involved in this sport and I left the drugs and addiction, then I would be first off setting the bad example for what mm-hmm. I preach to everyone online and also my son. So this year, Bert, we're going to document it, and we're going to go win the big dance. And But for me, I sit there and look at it. I'm like, what a check in my own spirit. Because for me, financially, the PTO series makes, like, it really helps me out. Like, I, I yes, they pay me more than what Iron Man pays me. And also, I get to do what, exactly what I love. And I'm like, you know what? Kona was the race that I sat in my room until 3 a.m. and watched every single finish across the finish line. I mean, that's what I started the Kona series. That's one of the reasons why I am like who I am now because of Kona. And so I'm like, what, a, what an awesome leader and mentor in your life and also a boss to show you, don't just chase the money, chase what you love doing and what's going to fulfill you. Wow, that is a powerful story, Talbot. And, y- you know, there's, uh, sometimes when you have conversations with people you hold dear, uh, they teach you lessons, which you don't like to hear sometimes, but they, at the end of the day, you go, yep, I learned a lesson there and I'm going to move forward. And this is great. So uh, more power to you, more power to you, more power to Lionel. It, it, it'll be, it'll be definitely be an interesting year for the professional athletes though. And for someone like myself, I think that I will go to the events that Lionel's at here uh, he, he, I believe that Ironman will Ironman. I believe Lionel will do Ironman Texas as his qualifier. Um, so I'll be at that, and, and I'm going to go to the PTO races that are here on the mainland of the U.S. I think that they're going to announce them soon. Um, but mainly focus on documenting Lionel and his journey, and hopefully one day we can make an inspirational video. And that's kind of my main goal. And, and that's the reason why I love capturing Lionel's story more than probably anyone I've ever worked with is for me, it's, it's just as much as a passion it is for Lionel. I get to tell someone's story that a lot of us, we just started training to do triathlon and we live pretty normal lives. Someone like Lionel was addicted to drugs and way behind what a standard amateur athlete is. And so for me to hopefully document Lionel one day, achieve what his goal is, I can take that story and we can make a documentary out of it Mm -hmm. and sell it to inspire people and show people that you can do anything that you set your mind to. And I just think that, so for me, I'll, I'll dabble in some of the races. I probably won't go international as much, but I'm all in now pretty much on telling Lionel's journey and Lionel's story because it's inspiring to myself. Will you, will you cover anybody? I know you've done work with Patrick Langa from Germany and others. Will you say, all right, well, Patrick's at this friend. I'm going to also cover him or is it just going to be a Lionel? Yeah. Um, it's a little bit, it, probably more so behind the scenes Lionel. And then I'll pick up photography gigs when I'm at events. So I'll go, <laughs> um, for example, if like, 
uh, a European-based athlete comes over here or a top-level name. Like, Daniela hired me one year for Ironman Texas, and I just got a lot of content for her. So I will definitely be getting stuff here and there for those athletes and all that. But as far as straight, long-form YouTube-quality content, I'll mainly be Lionel. And then I'll actually, like I said, I'll be working closely with the PTO at their events, and I'll help them get a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff uh, and it's really cool too. And that's one of the reasons why I love the PTO is that they're, of course they love race content, but they love the behind the scenes. Cause a lot of us, um, a lot of amateur people and amateur athletes that follow the sport, they don't get to see the inside yeah. look. They don't have these relationships with these professional athletes. And so that's what I love about the PTO. It's a bit harder with Ironman because they do need to man maintain themselves as a brand. Um, and so it's a little when someone's talking crap to someone else, it doesn't look as good if like Iron Man's promoting that. But PTO, I mean, they're trying to sell a broadcast at a race. And so they love the behind the scenes stuff. So like if you watch the Collins Cup, Sam Laidlow and Sam Long got into it, which is water under the bridge now. They're friends now. But I mean, I just happened to be there with my camera and get Sam storming out and slam and put a hole in the wall and just all this stuff. And that's that's real life stuff, and it's cool to we get to see because there's a lot of these athletes, believe it or not, that do not like each other. They are very, very big rivals, and you don't get to see a lot of that. Which is okay. Like, you, you, which is completely okay. <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh, it's all happy, handy, dandy. Yeah. And, and yeah. it's cool, too, to see it come to life and know what these athletes put in. I mean, even more so recently, Eric and Paula are a perfect example, <laughs> that triathlon life. They recently are changing wetsuits, and a normal professional athlete with their change in a wetsuit sponsor, they would just say, all right, who's paying us money? What are we going to do? But they're so cool because they're so open about it. And they're like, look, we're going to test all these wetsuits and we're going to see which one works best for us. And maybe we'll approach them with money after that, but we want to see which one works best for us. And it's cool that they're documenting that. You know what I mean? They're showing that side of things because a lot of athletes will just be like, Oh, wetsuit x is going to sponsor us and pay us money yeah where do we sign i don't even like this wetsuit but i'm going to sign because they're paying me money so i that's why i just love the open authentic side of things that we get to share in in the triathlon scene. exactly and you, you know one of the, the the many questions i would get through the years it was always a age grouper would come up to me and go so what's jan like what's what's rennie like what's paula like you know what <laughs> what's Patrick like? And they, 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 they want to know their heroes. They want to know. It's almost like they want to know if they're good people. And, and I always tell everybody that, you know, the professionals in our sport, it's a, it's a good, wholesome group. Yeah. Everybody's got their things they do and maybe things they say that piss people off. But I tell you what, as a whole, we're very lucky to have the type of pros leading our sport that we do. They are, uh, they're a class act. Most definitely. Talbot, what do you think, what do you think triathlon uh, events can do better for our age groupers, do better for our participants, whether it is on the content side or the event side or the management side? What do you think the sport can do better for our age groupers? I got, uh, I, I believe that a lot of the listeners that are triathletes themselves will agree with me on this. I believe something that we can do is a better tracking system. And the reason why I say that is, don't get me wrong, if you guys know the, um, the, the people who have built the timing app, I mean, I, I wouldn't be able to follow 
or get half the photos I do without their timing app. But what what is hard is that for the pros, it's very accurate because they're moving at such a consistent mm-hmm. speed. But for amateur athletes, it varies so much because someone might hit a wall and bonk, and then it says like, and then on the tracker it says they're here because it's estimating, it's doing math, and it's guessing and stuff. But the reason why I say that is, is there's so many people that it's their first time to go to an Ironman. And the, all they want to do is just see their loved ones and cheer for them and be there for them. And then, two, personally, having done an Ironman myself three times, it's hard. And sometimes you need to see your loved ones and maybe just be like, all right, I'm still alive right now. I can keep moving forward. But I think that there's some type of improvement for gps style tracking and then also courses too i i i I, like i would say if for those who know who've been to kona kona is the worst spectating course in the face of the planet if you're going to watch triathlon stay at home and watch it on home although it is the most amazing experience in the world to go out there but that's why i love iron man cosmel so much i mean you 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 do the (laughs) swim you come out and it's loops and they see you three times in the bike and they see you three times in the run and it's very easy for you but I, I would say that some something beyond the lines of allow athletes to t- maybe put their phone in their pocket so they can share the location with the athletes or fam- loved ones and friends, something like that. Because I think that making it easier and less stressful for some of the people on the ground, that would be my biggest feedback, which I think that they might actually even be working on something like that. But that would be my biggest feedback for, the, uh, for Ironman, the brand itself become it almost to where everything becomes an open book. It's inclusive. They can see where their loved one is. I, yeah, there's so many times at the finish line and even when they're looking at the track, I can't find them. It's almost like they're, yes. they're crying to you. It's they, not like, exactly. Hey, I can't find them. They're not mad. They're like, I need to know where my, where my boy is, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, yeah. I've seen that so, so much. Uh, yeah. Hopefully that I'm sure it'll come to fruition where we can, follow I, I wouldn't be in agreement of athletes carrying a their, their phone on their bike because you know what would happen there you know so i know exactly exactly <laughs> so how do you how do you manage that make make some type of gps chip i don't know yeah, i know i like the like the tour de france with the little gps thing on the back of the exactly. seat you know sticking out exactly hey are you gonna is talbot cox gonna jump in any races this year you're gonna have time to to race you know it's funny it's funny you say that i um I was chatting. I was texting Andrew, uh, Andrew Messick, the other day, and I and I I joked around with him, and uh, we're, we're, I'm I'm on a the Pro Tri News podcast. We discuss professional triathlon stuff like that, all about the professional athletes and all that. And Andrew was going to come on and talk about the new Ironman series. And I texted Andrew. I said, you know, when you're come on the podcast, I'm going to call you out. And he said, Oh boy, for what? And I said. I'm going to call you out because I'm doing Ironman 70.3 Honu this year in Kona. Because for me, it's the closest I'll ever get to the Queen K and riding a bike on it. And, and I said, I'm going to call you out to race me. And he said, well, Talbot, I'm already one step ahead of you. I'm already registered. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, my goal this year is to do 70.3 Honu. Um, and I would love to do an Ironman again. I mean, Ironman, it's really good for me to get out there and suffer and remind myself why I do what I do and capture the content that inspires people to continue to train because, gosh, that is a gruesome day. That is a yeah. long, long, gruesome day. 
you know, people, it's funny, they would say, well, I'm going to do Ironman Florida because it's a flat course. So I'm going to do this course because there's no wind. And, and I'd always look at them and go, dude, it's 140.6 miles. I don't care if it's flat, hilly, what, you're going to hurt. And people would get down with Florida. Oh my God, my back. I was down Arrow Bar the whole way. I couldn't get up. You know, there was something they would complain about. So no yeah. matter what, it's still 140.6 miles. It's a long day. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so are you going to have, are you going to have help out there? I mean, how can Talbot Cox, you know, f- follow Lionel or you know, follow this race and do all the shots you want to get? Will you will you hire people to help you out? Yes, actually, this year we are uh, working really closely with one of Lionel's main sponsors, The Feed, and we are going to do our first ever documentary series um, over Lionel and all the races he does this year. So it'll probably be about a five-part documentary series that um, we're going to come out with in November. But it is going to be, we're going to record even more in-depth thoughts and emotions and really just behind-the-scenes raw content of Lionel. I mean, I know we put a lot of stuff on it out on YouTube, but we plan to be as That'd open be cool. as possible that, of that. really what goes on behind the scenes. And so I'm going to bring on a, a good friend of mine named Jackson and he'll help me out. So he'll, he'll come with me to all the events and he will be kind of a second shooter and, and help me out at these events. Cause it's hard. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I know that people Imagine spectating an Ironman is a long day. I know a lot of people listening, they all know that as well. Shooting and spectating and trying to be in the right place at the right times to get the shots that you need, it's hard too. And one of of the biggest challenges ever actually was Kona this last two years ago. And I mean... uh, that my... I don't think you did the double, did you? Oh, yeah, I did. did the double days. Yeah, I did. Yeah, it was was your last ever, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, they... I, I go, they're doing this to me. Let's do two, two Ironmans in three days, see if Riley can last. <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's where you got the golden mic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, that was tough. That yeah. was, uh, a lot of people wouldn't have thought, but that was, that was a very, very tough uh, two days. So, yes, it is hard getting the shots and setting yourself up and all that, but it's possible. So one With of my help. last questions, my last question on, Find your finish line. It's called Tri Table Racing. It comes out of the Baja 1000. I've got friends that have teams and they race the Baja 1000 and, and they've won it quite a few times. And afterwards, they get together and they call it table racing, where they sit around a table and reminisce about the event. So, Tri Table Race with me and let us know something that happened at an event to you that you remember. Maybe it scared you or you were happy about. So, whatever comes to your mind and Tri Table Race with us. Oh man, that's hard. There's so many, so many things. You know, one of my favorite ever memories was, um, one of my favorite ever memories, I don't know if a lot of people remember remember this, but was the tri-battle. I remember uh, back in 2020, Jan reached out to Lionel and said, mm-hmm. hey, look, there's not a lot going on. <laughs> let's, you and me, let's go head to head in an Ironman. And, um, that was just one of the best trips of my lifetime. It was, we, we spent, my wife and I, my wife's best friends with Lionel's wife. Um, and we spent a lot of time together and we spent a lot of time with Jan. And, and Jan's always been an idol as mine as well. But to go around, Jan, Jan was such an incredible host in Germany. I mean, him and Felix were just so cool. But to go sit at a table 
to celebrate with them uh, the, the, the day, to be there with the whole gang uh, and listen to the conversations between Yontel talk about when he was a junior athlete or talk about the Olympics and just sit at those tables that you, that you know that it's some of those things that people would do anything in the world to sit at and you got to be there and do that. And so that was probably one of my favorite ever times, but a really, really cool conversation there too was, I remember Lionel said this to him, Lionel said, Hey, Jan, when, when you retire one day, if you ever retire from this sport, would you ever help me out or give me advice or coach me or something like that? And Jan's like, I'll think about it. I'll think about it. I'll get, I'll, I'll get back to you on that. But it was just cool to like, you're there on a conversation like, like Lionel, who's like, looks up to, just got his freaking butt kicked by Yod. Looks at him and is like, would you coach me one day, dude? <laughs> you know what I mean? And you're all sitting around having a big German beer and all that. And you're like, that was probably one of my favorite ever triathlon memories was, was being at that, at that event with them. Well, cherish that and don't ever, you know, get complacent with things like that because my memories through the years, Talbot, are memories like that of sitting around a dinner table, breaking bread with people and uh, just remembering the good times that we had. So, uh, and I'm sure that, well, you'll, you'll cherish that and there's going to be a lot more to come with you. Well, Talbot Cox, I... And then, but <laughs> for, for me too, for one more for me, for my own personal racing story, I do got to tell this one. I remember doing Ironman Cosmel, and I texted you right after, <laughs> yeah. and 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 had you send us a video, which you you sent you send tons of videos to people all the time, don't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So cool, so still cool. Do. That that was one of my favorite things that you could still get Mike Riley telling you you are an Ironman. But in Ironman Cosmel, I was on the third lap of the run, and I was sitting there just contemplating my life. I'm like, oh, I got such a <laughs> rough life. I'm out here suffering. It's hot. Well, I guess it wasn't too hot because sun had already set. I'm one of the I'm one of the sunsetter <laughs> yeah. finishers. I start crying, Mike. I start crying because I'm in so much pain, and I'm like, "Why am I doing this? Like, why?" And I look at my friend Kyle, who I dressed up as Lionel Sanders to do this race, and he dressed up as Tim O'Donnell. He's like, "Dude, you all right?" And I'm like, oh, "It's so much pain." <laughs> <laughs> I just keep moving forward. But I but I love that so much because that's why I love Iron Man so much. No matter what you do or go through, you feel like you have that on your back. Like, I've freaking done an Iron Man before, and that was so freaking hard, and I got through it. And so I've literally taken that on so many things, whether it's like a hard edit, like long edits or doing this or trying to accomplish this or that. I always take that to the back of my mind. You freaking, like, you've been through, like, that pain there was a lot worse. And you've been through that. So that is an, that, that's my race memory, that, that, I'll, that I'll, my tri-table race memory. That, that, that's a good tri-table race. Thanks, thanks for sharing that. <laughs> well, Talbot, I wish you the best of luck all year long. You never know. I may see you at some events. Uh, and I, I want you to be safe out there because you do, you know, we didn't get into that. You have a job that, you know, a lot of things could go wrong. You're flying around on motorcycles and scooters and running to get your shot and all that. So definitely stay safe out there on the courses. And, and I can't wait to see the content you are going to throw our way in 2024, brother. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And thank you, everybody, for listening to the first edition of 2024, Find Your Finish Line. Thank you for listening. Uh, make sure you Pick us up on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere you pick up the podcast. 
go to MikeRiley.net. You want to send me a message, you can always send me one there at my website. I answer them all. So take care of yourselves. Keep training, everybody. Take care of yourself through the winter months here. Before you know it, we'll be going full force with the races come spring, summer, and fall. Aloha, everyone.